We often look at life as having a beginning and an end. We also often view ourselves as separate from all that is around us. But what if we were everything around us? What if we came from and were made from the exact same building blocks of the entire universe? Well, that would change what we see as the beginning and the end. Welcome to Dad, Can You Hear Me? On this show, we aim to push the boundaries of what we believe and why, and question if what we know of reality is nothing more than an illusion. Samad recently lost his father during the pandemic, which has led him to question the concepts of birth, death, the afterlife, and the meaning of our existence. We are excited to have you with us as we explore all the possibilities that are here right in front of us in this reality. This is the Dad Can You Hear Me podcast. Please welcome the hosts of the show, Samad, Evan, and Daniel. Dad, can you hear me? Podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and just exploring our own existence. Inspired by the, the recent transition of my pops, man. And um, we just hear me and Ev, uh, usually we have Daniel with us, but he's not here today. And we just... Going to explore a couple things, man, and, and actually, we do have an interview on deck today as well. We look forward to that. Just like, you know, it's, it's been a rough two weeks, man. We lost X, lost Black Rob, mm-hmm. two hip-hop icons. But, like, even their, with, within their death, it makes you, you know, even realize <clears throat> with their transition that love never dies. You know what I'm saying? As painful as death is, Love is always right there to save the day. You know what I'm saying? Because when X passed, there was nothing but love, you know what I'm saying, moving through the streets. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That was the case for all of them. You know, with with Rob, with Black Rob, with Shock G, with X, you know, it was nothing but love just being poured everywhere. The Rough Riders went out in New York City, did the little bike shit um, all the way out in Brooklyn. Like, that's that's what you got to do to kind of keep people alive, keep their spirit alive, keep their being here pretty much is, is is pouring out that love that's that's the real immortality right there and that's what they got when they transitioned sure sure right shock g too man that that too i mean all all these things man we're, we're going through a rough time with this pandemic and the universe is it's just changing things up a lot man and it's like you know <clears throat> here today gone tomorrow man and it's like it, it gets you really it puts you really in touch with, you know, your own reality and really looking at, you know, your own mortality and what's the difference between, you know, mortality and, you know, I guess immortality, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you you definitely start to question existence a lot more when you look at the abruptness of death. You start to wonder if, like, these things are just a little bit commingled, like they're they're closer in relation than you realize, like, the fact that, you know, we all grew up thinking Kobe was immortal, at least I, at least I did. Like, you know, I just like, what, what the hell could Kobe? Like, nothing can stop that guy. Um, you know, and it's, it death can just be that abrupt and that simple. Um, and you start to look at it a little differently uh, and realize that a lot of people prepare themselves for that moment a lot earlier than you might think. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're, we're really getting at with this whole spirituality thing. Sure, for, sure. That's a fact. And Today we actually have an interview with a world-renowned meditation teacher, spiritual teacher, Kelvin Chin. And um, with him, you know what I'm saying, we're going to definitely explore some of these concepts, you know, birth, life, death, 
just you know put push put the needle on things because even myself um I could even admit like uh that when it came to death it was something that I was conditioned not to really you know what I'm saying look at you know what I'm saying my whole life I was always scared of the inevitable you know what I'm saying and it's not until recently that I've actually explored the concept of death and really understand you know what death means and um is that it is that him kelvin are you there i'm here how you guys doing hey great 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 uh just want to let you uh our audience know that um kelvin is on the line um we were given a little background on you kelvin but uh Mm -hmm. you know um myself and and evan um we just was just you know just i don't know if you're familiar but right now in, in the hip hop community, DMX, um, he mm. just he just recently passed, man, and he was like mm. a guy that was facing a lot of suffering on one end mm. and and through his music, but on another part of his music, he always mm-hmm. understood his own soul, and like a lot mm-hmm. of his music touched things, you know, fifteen twenty years ago that um, these concepts, man, that a lot of us weren't ready to receive because it was so abstract, mm. it wasn't really. It, it wasn't really left brain, you know, ish. It was mm-hmm. kind of like a little deeper. It was a little soulful, you know, is him, you know, struggling with his own higher self at times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was, yeah. and he was, he was, he was, uh, he was letting out music. So, you know, mm. it's one of those things where his passing is like, there is like a rebirth though, but it's, it's, you know, mm. de- death is painful, but, uh, we're glad to see you on the phone, man. And, we just want to let, you know, our audience know, like, you know, who you are and your impact and your influence within this spiritual community and this, you know, I don't want to call you. I, I've actually read a couple of recommendations. It it, 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 it mm. referred to you as a new age, one of the best new age um, thinkers. Do you, do, is, is new age something that you resonate with <laughs> or? Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's a phrase that people use. I, I, you know, I'm I'm here to help people, and I help people of all backgrounds. They're into new age spiritual stuff or they're not. It really doesn't matter to me. I'm here to help people, human beings, uh, be better and 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 be happier and get along better and have more enjoyable lives. But. Um, yeah, I just brought up DMX. I saw he died April 9th at White Plains Hospital. I actually did a training, some of my work, with uh, staff at White Plains Hospital, interestingly. Oh, really? Yeah, recently, like uh, like last year, six wow. months ago. Yeah. Wow, what a coincidence. I mean... <laughs> I know, yep. I mean, um, so Calvin, can you just... I mean, I know in regards to some of the back, your back history, but can you just let our, sure. our audience know in regards to because uh, sure. you, your story yeah. is definitely unique and interesting. And, and just this path yeah. that you're on, I, I see mm-hmm. myself following something similar. But this is not mm-hmm. the, this. This is a tra- this is like this path is the the road le- less traveled. I mean, you know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. at the time when you went versus now, yeah. where the consciousness of the of the planet is a little bit raised, where people are more willing to go mm. this direction but when you did it this probably was like a lot of a lot of roadblocks mm. yeah so i i um i learned to meditate uh, when i was 19 years old 
um, that's the first thing that I am aware of, like me doing actively that kind of shifted my uh, mind, body, spirit, consciousness, you want to call it, um, in this kind of direction that you're alluding to. Um, but when I did that, when I learned, I was really stressed out. I had just had very high anxiety. I was in college at the time up in New Hampshire and uh, very high anxiety. That's why I learned to meditate. I did not learn for spiritual reasons. Now, you you know, and I'll, I'll briefly mention some of the spiritual stuff that has happened to me over the decades. But when I first learned, I just learned because I was stressed out. And that's what, uh, you know, what opened the door for me at that point in my life. Now, if you go back, I don't, you probably don't know this, Kamad, but um, when I was two or th- a year, two or three years old, uh, I found out when I was a teenager that when I was a year or two or three years old, my aunt told me that I would speak with beings uh, that they couldn't see. When I'd go visit them, they were in junior high and high school when uh, my mom was the eldest. So when I was the new grandchild, the first grandchild in the, in the clan, uh, I would go visit my grandparents. And of course my aunts were all there still at home, living at home. And so they, they would babysit and play with me. And they told me much year, you know, many years later when I was a teenager that when I was a little infant, I used to talk with my friends and play with them sitting alone in my grandparents' living room. So that's something that completely third party. I still have no recollection of that, but uh, they've told me that as recently as a couple of years ago. They reminded oh, wow. me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty so, wild, right? So I guess so, so, was like like it was kind of like an indigo child. Something, and this was so that must have been what, 1953, when when they were telling me that this was going on that I don't have a memory of. So anyway, what I do have a memory of is I learned meditating when I was 19 years old. And um, it turned my life around. So my stress dissipated, it reduced and went away. And um, about seven years into meditation, I uh, started having past life memories. And then about another 10 years after that, in the mid-1980s, I started communicating with the other side. So I didn't even believe in reincarnation and past lives when I had those experiences in the mid-1970s. And I was not looking for it. It just came out of the blue. And uh, same thing with the communication with the other side in the mid-1980s. So all of that has continued to present. And as you know, know, I've been teaching meditation all these years, and um, I'm teaching it again full-time now, again, uh, for the last 10 years or so through my nonprofits and then helping people with death and dying and uh, with the afterlife and all that, you know, covering covering that in my my first two books that are out now, right? Wow, wow. Let me ask you a question in regards to like past life memories, and I'm sitting mm-hmm. because sometimes I explore my own past life memories, but then I know mm-hmm. one thing in psychology they have this thing called false memory or like the mm-hmm. Mandela, or the Mandela effect, where like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a memory that you have might not even be real. Like, how? What do sure. you think is the whole thing? Like when you have a past life. Because mm-hmm. I believe in past life memories, but then I know that there's actually a, a Mandela effect mm-hmm. where you can have a false memory. How, how, sure. do you, how do you distinguish in your own consciousness of which which one's which? Yeah. So um, 
first of all, I come at this as a skeptic. Okay. Uh, like I told you, if you asked me in 1976, <laughs> before I had these experiences, if I thought about reincarnation, I would just kind of chuckle politely with you and said, okay, come on, what's for dinner? You know, uh, right, right. <laughs> change the subject. <laughs> but, but to answer your question, the way I look at it is, you know, these are experiences, they're subjective, and you're absolutely right. Could this be our imagination making stuff up? That's possible. So then what I look at is, are there outside corroborative sources that can give credibility to what we think, in this case, is a past life memory? And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. So my point is that I look at things, is the evidence reliable? Um, you know, so reliable meaning, okay, uh, what has anybody else seen me or said anything about me, about experiences that I've had? Uh, or, for example, another uh, angle of looking at it is, have I known some stuff that I didn't know as Kelvin Chin and then later checked either looking up on, you know, now we've got Wikipedia, you know, uh, or back in the, the you know, 70s and 80s, I'd go look up an encyclopedia, <laughs> Encyclopedia right. Britannica or something, and I'd say, oh, look at that. That, you know, that's actually a, a word that means something and right, that, right. That, I, that I came up with, or something that Kelvin Chin never studied, and this is an ancient language. That's actually happened to me a number of times. So, um, I'll give you an example. So, um, one of the things that happened that I actually looked up was I was with my daughter um, and we were both meditating in the hotel room and I blurted out in <laughs> my meditation, I blurted out the word Saracen. Now, do you know what Saracens are? Have you ever heard that word before? No. no Saracen. You heard that? No idea. No, Saracen. So neither did I. I didn't know what was a was it a noun? Was it a verb? Was it an adjective? I, I didn't know, and I, I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know what it meant. So, um, but when I said it, I was seeing a vision, Kamad, of uh, me being in a battle, and I was fighting, and it was very dusty, and, and I felt like a de very dry, desert, arid, you know, kind of environment, so forth. A lot of dust. I was on horseback with a sword and this and that, okay? That was the experience I had, and I yelled that word out uh, several times. And my daughter sitting in the other chair of the hotel room going, Daddy, you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just, we're having one of those experiences. See, you know, my kids have seen me in this kind of mode. They, right. they know about the past life sessions before they were born. I was having it, right? So anyway, it's no big deal. She goes, oh, okay. So she went back to meditating. <laughs> Dad's over there in the corner of the hotel room yelling, Saracen. <laughs> so, I, so, I, so, I, so I look it up, right? After I go, what the heck is that? Turns out Saracen is the old term that was used for Muslims before 1300 AD. So the word Muslims, wow. you know, Muslims, we know who Muslims are. They, you know, they follow Muhammad and sure, Islam, right. the religion, and so forth. That's a relatively new term as of 1300 AD to present. Before that, they were called Saracens. I had no idea. I did not know this at all. Okay? So that was fairly recent. That experience was probably in 2010, I want to say. You know, so recent in my history, you know. 
so about 11 years ago. But I've had this memory of being in the Crusades since about 1979. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, so that's, so there's an extra, a potential external uh, piece of evidence, like something that I didn't know what it meant, and so forth and so on. Here's another one. So um, when I first had that Crusader memory in uh, 1979, I saw myself um, in, a, in a vision, so a, a vision it wasn't other, anything other than I was just lying down resting, you know, so I wasn't asleep. I wasn't awake. I wasn't meditating. I wasn't dreaming. You know, I was in that in-between state and I was just kind of relaxing, you know, lying there. Sure. Uh, and, um, and, uh, you know how the TV screen going on in your mind, you know, uh, like in the dreams, like, or, you know, we see things in our, in our, in our dreams, obviously. So it was kind of like that, that turned on, except I wasn't dreaming. I wasn't sleeping. I was just lying there resting. And, um, and uh, I had just finished meditating, but now I was not meditating. So I was just resting afterwards, right? So uh, the TV screen goes on, and I'm walking into this big stone room because I could see the stone floors, the walls, the ceilings. I looked up, and, you know, I scuba dive so I can I can judge uh, space, you know, height pretty easily by looking up. Like, oh, that's about 40 feet. Oh, that's about 50 feet, you know, because I've done a lot of scuba diving in the open ocean. And... Um, so I looked up a 40 foot high ceiling stone room. There's nobody in it. And there's, all the furniture is pushed to the uh, walls, except there's one piece of furniture in the middle of the room and it's a full length mirror. So I walk up to the mirror. So again, I'm looking through my eyes. I can't see myself. Obviously I'm just walking into this room, but I walk up to the mirror and then I see myself in the mirror. And what I saw was this big guy. I, I just I didn't know how big I was at this point. I just knew I was big because I took up the whole mirror. I was standing, you know, you know, right right up close to the mirror. I was like huge guy, and I had reddish hair, long reddish hair, and a reddish blondish beard. So reddish wow. hair. So not I didn't have black hair. I didn't have brown hair. I didn't have pure blonde hair. I had reddish hair. So it was something about the red. Okay, that stuck in my mind. And I saw this big guy in full-length chainmail, like from head to toe, chainmail, and with a white tunic and a cross on it. And so that I knew that I was a crusader, right? So, so here's another piece that later I figured out, or I had this knowingness that I, this about 10 years later, this is how non-linear these things can happen chronologically. Maybe it was five or ten years later. I, I didn't write this down. I suggest that you guys write this, people write this stuff down. Because I didn't do this. I never thought I'd be talking about this publicly. So I was like, ah, well, big deal. But write it down. So you never know. And um, so maybe it was five or ten years later, I had the knowingness that that crusader memory, I was six foot five, 225, 230 pounds. I was mm. a big guy. And it, this is in 1100 AD. There were not a lot of big people. Six five two hundred thirty pounds in eleven hundred AD, wow. and there were and there were not that many people in the in the Crusades that big. There was basically one person that big, and there is nobody that big who had red hair except this one person. And so, and I was a leader in the Third Crusade. So that's how I figured out who I was in that memory, right? But the, see, the, see all the pieces that came together that I didn't know. Sure. Uh, over 1979, and then the 1980s, and then in 2010, another piece. You know, so that was 
you know, and then another time I had a memory in 1977 where I was started to tell uh, an experience to a friend of mine and he finished it. And I said, how did you know that? And he goes, well, because I was there. I was, I found you 2000 years ago. I was the person who found you. And we were, turns out we were brothers back then. Sure. So, so that was completely those that, so that's an example. Those are examples of the answer to your question. You know, there uh, is it absolute proof. No, you know, but you know, how can you explain these things? You know, another example was I found out recently, just, you know, it was 2018, just a couple of few years ago, 2019, 2018, a couple of years ago, this guy I, I met recently was a meditation teacher in the same organization. I used to teach TM, Transcendental Meditation, you know, the Beatles learned that back in 19, they learned in 67, 68, studied with Maharishi Mahayogi. So that's what I learned back then, and I taught with his organization. I was an international leader in this organization for about 10 years back in the 70s. And then I moved away when they went off in a different direction. Well, there's this guy named Charlie Lutz, who I never met. I didn't, never spoke with him. I never heard any of his lectures, who was part of the TM organization, but he was part of the spiritual arm of the organization. So you remember I told you I was not into spirituality when I learned TM? I was into the science stuff and getting rid of stress. And so there was a whole science and education, business and athletics arm that was separate from the spiritual arm. So I was in that other arm, not the spiritual stuff. So this Charlie Lutz guy I heard recently, like a couple of years ago, one of one of the guys who was in who was TM guys, TM teachers who was into Charlie Lutz back then, told me that Charlie Lutz in 1973 was talking about a TM teacher in his lectures. Charlie Lutz used, evidently used to give weekly lectures in Los Angeles at this uh, SRM, it was called Spiritual Regeneration Movement, which was the spiritual arm of the TM organization. You see, have weekly lectures there, and I heard recently that he was given lectures in 1973, and he was mentioning that there was this TM teacher in the organization who had also been this person and this person, uh, one of which was a, a you know a, 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 a Prussian leader in the 1700s. Um, that was four years before I had my first memories. And he was talking about memory, uh, lifetimes that I later had memories about. How crazy is that? Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty I mean, crazy. I mean, I don't know. Right? Ev, Ev, I mean, have you had any these experiences? I'll tell you this, Calvin, the way I have got myself, um, kind of acclimated to like past live memories, uh, you know, mm-hmm. myself and Ev, we both hip hop heads, right? And yeah. Jay Z on the mm-hmm. on the Black album, he has a mm. verse where he says, "You you are who you are, player. You were you were who you were before you got here." You know what yeah. I mean? And so That's when I yeah, yeah, so when he first said that line, it resonated with me. So basically, he's saying that you know your life plan was already already dictated before you got here, which means that you already had you must have had a past life. Like this must right. this life you're in right now must be a continuation of a life you already yes. had. Right. It can't right. be like you're yes. just now starting from scratch. Even if the illusion is that you feel like you started from scratch. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. So Yeah, you know, no, I've heard I've heard I've heard about that song, actually. Yeah. Uh, people have uh yeah, pointed that out to me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. So he's referencing that, you know, pre birth stuff. And we may have uh, you know, 
made decisions before we come into a lifetime, and we may have had other lifetimes too. Yeah. Yeah, there's some cool songs out there that reference that that are current, you know, fairly current, you know. Yeah, definitely a couple of questions for you. So would you yeah. would you liken those visions to like lucid dreaming? I, I can't say I've had the privilege of like having visions mm. of anything that vivid, but with, in terms of like mm-hmm. your your subconscious or, or conscious rather uh, presence in that yeah. moment, would you liken it, liken it to lucid dreaming? Yeah, it's very, it can be very similar. So yeah, the short answer is yes. Um, my very, very first actual uh, past life memory, I didn't even know was a past life memory. It came to me in a dream. Well, it, I had a dream and I didn't know it was, had anything to do with a past life. I just thought it was a very, very, very powerful dream. That's when I t- started telling my friend George this dream that I had had like in early 1977 or something when we were on a long meditation course over in Switzerland uh, for two months, every day, all day. We're meditating all day, every day for two months. And, um, and I told, started to tell him about that dream, and he finished it. That's what, when I just told you where he said, he, he told me, yeah, I found you. I said, you, I got all freaked out. I was like, what? <laughs> How did you know that? And he goes, yeah, I found right. you 2,000 years ago. So, so yeah, that, it, it, yeah, so uh, definitely. And, but it can come in all different times. Like, so sometimes it's very much like a, could be like a lucid dream. It could come in our dreaming. Why? Because I think that in our dreaming, we tend to be less, you know, we're more open, less barriers, fewer barriers, you know, right. we're just kind of more open to whatever is going on in our dreams. Even if sometimes in our dreams, really weird stuff can happen in our dreams too. And that's because we're more open. And, and right. I think that's, that, you know, that, so that, I think that's a very common time when, whether it's past life stuff, communications from the other side, from dead loved ones and so forth, very often they'll come in dreams because our mind is more receptive. It's more open. But now, since this has been happening to me since 1977, you know, it'll happen to me in the shower, I'm washing dishes, I'm driving the car, and I don't have the radio on, so it's just kind of quiet, and I'm not talking to anybody. And, um, you know, so it can happen any time. But, yeah, that's very common uh, that happens in dreams, and it's very can be very similar to what you're saying, like a lucid dream, like a very, very clear dream. Yeah. Actually, a perfect segue into my other question, which was, um, yeah, how exactly you were able to receive those experiences so positively? Like, I guess you know, for people who are new to meditation, like people who might think that's a manifestation of their subconscious and they're losing their mind, um, was that just a matter of you meditating for so many years and a matter of practice and receiving the benefits of, um, you know, just being at peace? So you just receive those experiences more positively than others might. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a that's a good way of putting it in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, because look, I mean, um, we filter we human beings. We filter everything through our mind, and what does that mean? That may be through our past experiences, typically, right? Mm-hmm. Or and or our belief systems and so forth. And so, uh, you know, my belief system at that point was pretty open pretty free from fear in terms of my, you know, beliefs about the universe and, you know, uh, life, living life. You know, I've always been a, I've always been a pragmatist, a practical person, you know, so to me, it's always like, how can I improve the quality of my life and live a life more enjoyably without hurting other people? 
as much as humanly possible. It doesn't mean that I have ne- never hurt people. I've hurt lots of people unintentionally or, you know, just, you know, you know, get the list of old girlfriends, you know, and <laughs> talk to them. But, but, you know, there's a long list of those, but you know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, you know, but has my intention been to, to try to be a good person? Yeah. So that's, you know, that's been my intention and that's been my filter is my point. And so, uh, fairly fear free. And so I think, uh, the meditation has, def- has definitely helped with that since, you know, I learned when I was 19 years old and, um, clearing out the junk, basically the garbage, you know, all the stress and, and stuff and the anxieties uh, over the years, uh, before I started having these experiences that we're talking about, probably, as you say, probably was a good way to plow the field, so to speak, and clear out all the, the weeds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. No, definitely. Yeah. And, um, no, this is good stuff, man, because, uh, Calvin, as you know, man, meditation it's something that, like, is now, after the pandemic, I see people, in, in yoga as well, but, like, wellness mm-hmm. is in the forefront. But, like, you know, for me personally, um, I got introduced to meditation in early 2000s because I was suffering from, like, my own mental illness. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, for me, is like I said, I always use the rap lens. Um, mm-hmm. Jay-Z, again, you know, on the, on the mm-hmm. song Can I Live, he said... I meditate mm-hmm. like a Buddhist and crude mm-hmm. as, you know, and he, he said, but when I, when he said this, this was like 96, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of stood out to me, but like, you know, meditation was always looked upon, you know, cause we live in a, in a, in a, in a, in a society where it's, it's kind of like category, you know, categories. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a man, oh, meditation, like, ah, uh, you know, just fight yourself, mm-hmm. you know, fight your way through it. You know what I mean? So, it was almost yeah. like right, like me. it's an enemy to masculinity. Somehow, yeah, like it's to de- get there. Yeah, like it's demasculinity. Right. You know, the perception. Yeah. Not now because I feel like we've evolved. Mm-hmm. But like, right, it was yeah. like demas. You know, so for me, it was almost like I was meditating in secret. You know what I mean? Like right. it was like I was right. I was a closet meditator. If that's if yeah, that's yeah, after yeah. possible. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in this, well, you know, you know yeah, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. And you know, there's still that stigma out there a little bit of that category kind of categorical kind of thinking in that stigma what kind of ways you just described but um you know i think that'll they'll always be that but you know look at you know Brady, tom brady meditate you know he i don't know how regularly he is in his meditation now but i know he meditated for a while and his wife giselle she learned to meditate when she was 17 18 years old uh so she's been meditating for 20 something years that's why he got into it and uh there's a ton of, uh, I, you know, I've taught a bunch of professional athletes, NBA, uh, you know, uh, some of the Boston Bruins years ago, et cetera. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, you know, hey, these guys are getting hit in the, in the uh, they're all padded up with, however, you know, with all their pads on the playing field and they're getting whacked around and these guys are meditating. So it's just not like, uh, you know, right, right, right. these aren't, these aren't wissy guys, you know, right, these, right, are, right. these are, these are tough guys, you know? So, but the, the thing is people, high performance people, whether you're an athlete, a business person, or just a college student. I mean, it's, it's, you want to have that extra edge. You want to have that extra sharpness to your mind, your consciousness. And, and, you know, you look at the NFL, there's 
every of every one of the seventeen hundred players in the NFL is physically fit. Really, even the guys who are wearing three hundred sixty pounds can probably outrun all three of us. You yeah, know very I mean? easily. You, you know what I mean? They're three hundred sixty, three hundred eighty pounds, but these guys can haul. You know, they are they're in, they're in decent shape, no matter how much they weigh. They may not have a six pack, but they are in good they're in good cardiovascular shape. Look. So what, what's the difference amongst those 1,700 players? It's the mental game. It's the mental game. You know, you know you, the ones who really are win, you know, win in, in life, whether you're a professional athlete or you're just like a, you know, a scrub player like me who used to play pickup games, you know, it's the mental. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's when the winning and losing, the success in life happens, really, you know? Sure, sure. I mean, would you say, do you do you think to to the human condition that the mind is everything, and everything else is just you know follows along suit because you know our body and everything you know we think that we are our mind, our body, our soul is all one mm. separate thing, but it's really you know what I mean. Like like you said, the mind. I, I feel like the mind. If you realize the mind connects it all three together, you know what I mean. Yeah, they're, they're not really the as separate as it seems. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I that's the way that's my experience is that our mind is the primary uh, connector of all of that. Our 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 our, our mind, and so when, so when I use the word mind, because you 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 know, Kumad, I, I work in forty seven countries now you know, remotely, you know, on Zoom and so forth. I teach in 47 countries. So I like to use words that are easy to understand because often I'm speaking to people who are English is their second, third, fourth language, mm-hmm. uh, but it, their English is a heck of a lot better than whatever my <laughs> my abilities, which is zero <laughs> in their language, <laughs> you know. We're, we're not. <laughs> right? And, and right. So, so, but, so I like to use easy to understand English, but I also use the word mind with the, fluent American in English speaking uh, students of mine too, because it's, it's easy to understand mind, spirit, consciousness, soul. To me, they're all the same. And that is what is the connector, as you say, for all of the above, the mental, physical, emotional, everything is our consciousness. And so um, that's where the separation occurs in life in amongst humans is whether you're on the, battlefield of daily life or whether you're literally on the battlefield in Iraq or Afghanistan. I was just watching a movie last night. That's why I thought of that. But, um, you know, it, it's with the separation comes in the mental and the decisions we are making mentally in those split second moments. And in some cases in Afghanistan and Iraq, I work with a lot with veterans and some active military. Cause you know, I have the experience teaching meditation in the military as well. Right. Um, so, you know, you're in a life-death situation, literally, in those situations. Split-second mental decision can make the difference, mean the difference between life and death. So a sharp mind is critically important. Now, I'm also a proponent of being in our physical body because we are on planet Earth. We're here in planet Earth. Be in the body. Don't take care of your body. Don't, don't divorce yourself from the body. Take care of it. I exercise, you know me, you know, I, I exercise every day. I swim three times a week. And, you know, I've been doing this for, for since I was, I don't know, born or something, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, 
we should eat well, we should take care of our physical body, and we should enjoy being in a physical body and everything that goes along with the enjoyment of being in a physical body and taking care of it. So yes, we are a soul, a consciousness, a mind. That's our primary, uh, you know, mode of existence, let's say, through eternity. But we can take on different physical forms. So while we're in a physical form, I'm a big proponent of enjoying it and taking care of the physical machine that we call our physical body. Sure, sure. So so what are some misconceptions you'd say people have with meditation and mindfulness? I know, like, um, mm. just through learning, I've heard that mindfulness isn't necessarily um, the Buddhist interpretation of just abandoning, abandoning desire. Like, you don't necessarily have to go to that degree. Like, for right. people, like you were saying, like, people who are newbies who are maybe victims of PTSD uh, or people yeah. who are just simply dealing with stress. Um, what are some of those misconceptions you'd say just through your years of experience? Well, I think some of the some of the the basic misconceptions that people have is are that first of all meditation some some people still think this meditation is some religious thing well it's not you know meditation is secular meditation of all kinds and uh you mentioned mindfulness is a form of buddhist meditation mm -hmm. and uh this uh, professor at the university of massachusetts amherst in 1970 secularized it and made he, 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 he happens to be Buddhist himself but uh, he, he came up with this word mindfulness so people now think of meditation as mindfulness but mindfulness is its own meditation technique so that's also a misconception that's kind of more recent where um, like I don't teach mindfulness for example I teach a much easier version of it so um, mindfulness is an easier version of a Buddhist form of meditation because there are many forms of Buddhist meditation and some of them are very difficult like right. Zen, Zen, very concentrative, much more difficult than mindfulness form of Buddhist meditation. But, but what I teach is uh, neither and what I teach is very, very easy. So I think one of the big misconceptions out there is that meditation involves focus, like mindfulness involves focus on the breath and so forth. Uh, a big misconception is that meditation involves focus in, on something, uh, focus or control or concentration on something or clearing the mind of your thoughts. That's a big, huge mis misunderstanding, a, a, a misconception. Uh, it's, it's the correct understanding for some meditation techniques, but not mine. Mine is all about ease of technique, not clearing the mind, not focusing and not concentrating and not trying to control the mind. Uh, instead, the way I teach it, we go with what the mind is doing and then we overlay on top of that a specific technique, which I teach people step by step. But So it's not just sitting there with your eyes closed, letting your mind wander, but you do allow your mind to wander and you do allow your mind without resisting anything your mind is doing to do whatever it's going to do. And then we we weave in this technique that I teach people uh, with that with that understanding and attitude that we're not focusing, we're not controlling the mind, we're not clearing the mind of thoughts, and we're not manipulating or trying to make our thoughts think this way or that way. And then the other point is what our thoughts are about. So there's a there's I think that that's also a misconception or a conception that's out there that's um, that's not what I teach, for example. 
So the content of your thoughts. So in other words, what you're thinking about. The, are you thinking peaceful thoughts or are you thinking having anxiety type thoughts? It doesn't matter in the way I teach the technique and the anxiety go, go away. But um, guided meditations people are very familiar with, which is different from what I teach. But obviously in a guided meditation, you're not going to be guided to be thinking about your anxiety. You're going to be guided by whoever's doing the guided meditation to think about peaceful thoughts. So that's, that, that's not a bad thing, and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it can be helpful. So I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying, to answer your question, there are different ideas and different conceptions, and some of them are misconceptions mm-hmm. about what uh, all meditations uh, techniques may involve. There's a wide range, is the point, of differences amongst different meditation techniques that are out there. And um, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of the easier the technique, the better. Right, right. Interesting stuff. Yeah, no, very, very, very interesting. And I guess that leads us to our next thing, Calvin, in regards to, um, you know, just to let our audience know, you are an author. And, um, you know, I had Mm -hmm. a chance to, uh, you know, kind of read both your books. And the way I, you know, for me, the way I came across it was, like Mm -hmm. you said, recently, you know, my father passed. And I've been on my own spiritual journey with myself, just trying to like, you know, um, become like my mind has, I've always had like a mind that was moving so fast through time. And I didn't, you know, understand it. You know, I thought I had ADHD. I went to a psychiatrist, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, do your own remedies, drink, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Trying to figure mm-hmm. it out. But, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, the more, the more information that's been available, the more I've been able to, you know, kind of come one with my consciousness and I think one of the last stages you know recently when my pops passed which mm. is how inspired to do this podcast I realized you know for me is I love my dad so much I, I it was like one of those things that I couldn't just say you know this is just it like you know I you know death is is final and then I, I started to you know I got the intuition that you know you know death is is there's no such thing you know what I mean it's just you know, quantum physics, I guess, or however, it's just perception. You know, it's just form. Like, it changed a different form. And I came across right. your book, you know what I mean? And, and I, as I read your book, that's when I reached out to you because your book was powerful. I know in regards to how you had your own experiences when your own mom passed. But, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, this, for you, these you were having these this intuition a long time ago in regards to knowing that mm-hmm. death is, 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 you know, you know, I, I guess Jesus had said it too, like, you know what I mean? His, mm-hmm. In regards to, you know, the whole resurrection story, I guess, is yeah. him saying that yeah. there is no death, no, the body, the soul lives. But just, can you just explain a little bit about exactly. about your book and mm-hmm. this whole concept, you know what I'm saying? Sure, sure, yeah. You're talking about my first book, which is called Overcoming the Fear of Death. And the uh, that's the main title of the book, Overcoming the Fear of Death. It's available on all the online booksellers, Amazon and all the other ones, the book brand, Barnes and Noble and everybody else that's out there around the world. Um, but the subtitle, oh, it's, it's also available print, ebook, and I do the audio book narration of this book. Uh, but the subtitle is through each of the four main belief systems. So the full title is overcoming the fear of death through each of the four main belief systems. So, I take a non-religious approach. So when we talk, 
when I'm talking in the book about four main belief systems, they're not religious beliefs and they're not cultural beliefs about death. They're beliefs that I came up with in conversation talking with one of my good friends. And we were saying, you know, how can we talk about this without getting into religious stuff? Because we start stepping on people's toes. You start talking religion, you know, right. and people think, well, no, in my religion, we believe this. Oh, my religion, we believe that. Oh, this is what happens after you die in my religion. So I said, you know, we need to talk about this. We as a human culture worldwide, we need to talk about this more because it's like the taboo subject. You know, it's like the elephant in the room that nobody wants to look at, you know, talking about death and dying and stuff. And we really need to talk about it more so we can reduce, in my opinion, the fears around it because fears just limits, you know, limits our lives. So, okay. So we came up with these four beliefs. So the four beliefs are this. The first one is um, the science belief. So um, scientists believe that there is no soul that continues. The mind doesn't continue. There's no such thing. The body dies. That's it. Everything shuts off. So that's the science belief. That's belief system. I call it, I call it in my book, I call it belief system number one. So the second belief system, I call it the fear of continued existence. So that's where somebody may believe in an afterlife, but they have fears about it for some reason, all kinds of different reasons we can talk about, but uh, fear. And they, so they believe in a continuation, but have some fear. And uh, the third belief system is belief in an afterlife of some sort, but no fear, maybe even looking forward to it. So that's the third one. Hmm. Fourth belief system is reincarnation, past lives, future lives, and so forth. Reincarnation, that's the fourth belief system. So, you know, People fall anywhere in that range, can fall anywhere in that range, but most people have one of those, or they might be a hybrid. They might be a fence-sitter. I'm not sure if it's first or second, or maybe it's a little of both or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so what I do is I help people reduce their fears around death and dying. That's one of the things I do in addition to teaching meditation and teaching classes about afterlife and so forth. So that's, that's, that's this book in a nutshell. So I cover all those four belief systems in here. And I talk about your death experiences, you know, glimpses into the other side. I have a lot of stories in here uh, 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 from other people. Uh, pe these, everybody I know, these are all people I know, stories they've had about in their own NDEs, near-death experiences, or uh, stories about uh, them communicating with dead loved ones. There's a lot of stories in here about that and some stories about folks who have memories of other lifetimes. And I did not want to make this book about me, so I only put in my one lifetime in here, other lifetime memory I have about being a slave. Uh, I was African. It was very, very dark, dark, dark-skinned African. Um, somebody recently told me that I was probably from the Ivory Coast because I had that, you know, kind of blue-black skin. And I, interesting, I haven't told her this yet. She just told me, left me a voice note on this recently. But I had separately knowledge, this is full, full circle to your, one of your original questions come out. How do you know that we're not making this stuff up? I knew that it was, I was from the Ivory Coast. I don't know how I knew that. I just knew it. And then separately, I knew that I, like years later, then I saw my skin. Well, when I first saw myself, I saw my skin. But years later, I saw how dark my skin was, and it was that blue, they call it like blue-black, 
color, that really dark color. And so recently somebody just told me that I was, I was probably from the Ivory Coast, which I had already known but hadn't connected those dots. This, that memory is from 2,300 years ago when I was uh, a slave on a Carthaginian warship around 300, 330 wow. B.C. Yeah, a long time ago. So that, that, that one I do talk about in my book because I talk about how these past life memories, I think we should use them as, 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 as kind of a resource for learning about ourselves in ways that we can help ourselves in today's life now in 2021. So I use that life where I forced myself, willed myself to stay alive. I used my mind to keep my body alive on a piece of wreckage in the Mediterranean 2,300 years ago. I've used that to remind myself of how powerful my mind was when I've gone through very, very, very difficult, trying times. And, you know, this lifetime of Kelvin Chin. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, staying on the topic of overcoming the fear of death, like at least for me personally and a lot of people I've talked to, um, it does seem like the biggest reason people fear it uh, is either not being remembered uh, or just dealing with the consequences of what you've dealt with or what you've done, rather, uh, while mm. you were alive. Mm. Um, have those past memories been like the biggest tool? And like, what would you say to people who can't access those memories? What if, um, what healing have you yeah. found from meditation to kind of alleviate those those feelings? Yeah, I, the meditation definitely helps heal the, all that those kind of past impressions uh, or deep impressions left from those past life experiences. Mm -hmm. But even if somebody does not have past life memories, what I suggest that they look at is their emotional patterns that they are aware of in this lifetime. Because I think there's a direct link, that's been my experience anyway, it seems to be, that there seems to be a direct link between our emotional patterns that we have, our likes and our dislikes, like the really deep stuff. Like, why do I really like that in that person? Why am I really attracted to that physical feature? Why am I really attracted to that kind of music? Hmm. Why does that music really, you know, Right. And it's not. It may not be the music from the 20s to 21st century, but I have this connection with it. It's weird, you know. I have a I have a friend who's really into 1960s music. Well, she was born in the 1970s, hmm. right? So, but so, and now she thinks she's make, she's connected some dots. Now she thinks she died of a drug overdose in the 1960s. So, so um, wow. you know, is that? So look at our emotional patterns and our likes and our dislikes in this lifetime, and they can often inform us about past lives that we may have had that we may have no recollection of and we may still not have any recollection of, but it can open up our self-development because that's all we care about is our self, our personal development now because we live in the present, right? We live always in the continual present. The fact that I have this memory in the 2,300 years ago is irrelevant. It's just cocktail party talk. Who cares? I was a slave you know, on a warship and so forth, and we got blown up, et cetera, et cetera. But how does that help me today? To me, that's where, that's where it's meaningful. That's where the memory becomes meaningful as opposed to just interesting, right? Wow. No, that's deep, man. And, yeah. and it makes sense because I think, and that's the thing that when we go to school, we don't really, you know, we, we only, I guess, tap into one form of intelligence. I guess that's yeah. our conditioning as a species mm -hmm. in school, but like 
mm-hmm. past live memory, I think there's there's a big, you know, that's a big, uh, that can be like a big tool for our own growth because I look at kids, man, like three or four years old, and you can mm-hmm. see like, you know, yeah, they're exploratory, they're trying to figure out their environment, but a lot of these kids have, you know, like you, maybe it's, a, you know, I guess it is a past life, like they have like a sense of knowledge that, you know, I don't know where they got that from, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. You know, wh- wh- you know, who is it? Who is it? Mozart was, uh, was, uh, you know, creating these major music pieces when he was three years old, yeah. four years old, whatever, you know, what you think he went, did he go to music school when he was one or two years? No. Where did that come from? Right. People think, Oh, it was just a genius. It was just magic. You know that? Yeah. Well, you know, he was a genius, you know, uh, musically, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there was, there was, I think there were seeds already there, you know, from other pre- previous experiences. You know, I, I have a, a friend uh, um, who uh, has, a, has a nephew um, who's now much older, but I talk, mentioned his story in my book, uh, my Overcoming, the first book, the Overcoming the Fear of Death book. Um, when he was about a year and a half, two years old, and he knew everything about the moons of Jupiter, and he never, he had never seen any Discovery Channel TV shows or read any books or anything. Where does that come from? And he knew how many moons, and he knew all the details about these different moons. You know, so to me, I don't know for sure, but it seems to me like this kid was tapping into some old memories he had from another lifetime, where he probably was this. Uh, astrophysicist of some sort studying the moons of Jupiter. And that was, his oh, sure. focus, you know, in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, maybe because could, could even been in the eighties because I don't you see yeah, in the nineties. He wasn't, he was born like in, you know, 2000 something, you know? No, I definitely, I mean, even like, uh, you look at people like Michael Jackson, you mm. know, I feel like Michael Jackson had a lot of past lives and, you know, with him as, as a young kid, he couldn't tell the difference between his past lives and his, his, his immediate human self because he had a lot of pain in his human life in regards yes. to his father, you know what I mean, mm. his treatment he yes. had, you know what I'm saying? Yes. He was he was kind of, like, shy, you know. But, like, right. I think for him is when I look at Michael Jackson, I see, like, a clash of his human self in the present, not mm. understanding, like, all these gifts he was getting that he was, you know, coming through through past lives. And, mm. you know, it can be confusing, bro. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Because yes. everything, your whole life, even even your present life, if if you're an abusive, uh, growing up on an abusive father or you live right. in a neighborhood with, with crack, you know what I'm saying, yes. drugs around you, yes. these are all signals, though. Because information yes. is nothing but a signal. So it's like yes. I'm getting signals from a from my past life and then I'm getting signals in this in the in in, the, in this regular life I'm yeah. confused bro like I'm overwhelmed you know and I'm hmm. I'm trying to make sense of all these signals and I'm trying to use one form of understanding which is what's what's in front of me which is my perception but we know like your perception is not always the most accurate you know what I mean yes absolutely yeah no that that that's a good segue um, that's a good segue to my, my second book. Um, you know, because it's how do you know, how do we integrate, how do we integrate, 
um, you know, all of this spiritual stuff, we'll call it, um, you know, with living now, as you say, in your Michael Jackson example, because it really, to me, it is all living it now in the present, in our continual present. And so having all of this integrated, these, what m- many people consider these uh, spiritual type uh, experiences that are not normal. Now, for me, they're normal. So I don't, that's why I say, I don't even think of them as spiritual experiences anymore. They're just more experiences. But I get it. People think of them and talk about them in, in, in spiritual terms. How do we make that, how do we integrate that into the fabric of our normal daily living? And so that's why I say to people, it's not necessary that you remember all your past lives, but I think it, it's useful, like you guys are kind of, both of you are kind of uh, suggesting that we be open to them as a human culture and explore them when it seems appropriate for when, when the four-year-old or the five-year-old kid is saying, hey, you know, uh, I used to wear earrings when I was uh, in another life. You know, this little boy is saying that. I have a story about that in my in my book, you know, to his mom <laughs> because he was a woman in his previous lifetime, you know. And so I think it's, 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 it's stuff to explore in a healthy educational way uh, as human beings, whether we be, you know, you know, whether it's in childhood or whenever these things pop up and not treat them as kind of weird stuff that, uh, that only crazy people have, because, you know, I am as grounded a person as you can find, you know? Uh, (laughs) And uh, I was a doubter about all this stuff before it started happening to me. So this, this, this second book that I have written, uh, Marcus Aurelius Updated is the main title of the book. It's the purple book. Marcus Aurelius Updated, 21st Century Meditations on Living Life. That's the subtitle. Uh, so really it's a focus of uh, 67 essays focused on uh, helping people live life more enjoyably in the 21st century. Uh, 67 essays that I've written, they're all original essays by me um, on various subjects emotions, life principles, uh, meditation. There's a chapter on meditation in here and uh, the spiritual. So um, I'll just give you kind of a a few titles of some of the 67 essays. Uh, Success, winning and happiness. Suffering and happiness. Unconditional love. Forgiveness. Relationships grieving, the ego, uh, cruelty, getting beyond bullying, uh, self-interest and selfishness, how to choose the right meditation technique, uh, how to allow the monkey mind to be, attachment and illusion, 10 spiritual red flags, um, spiritual insecurity, the idea of free will, the meaning of life, uh, dualism versus non-dualism, unbundling enlightenment, ego and God. So that gives you some idea. But when I say ego and God, this is also a non-religious approach towards towards talking about all these issues and topics. 
so I'm talking about the idea of God uh, and thinking about God in in certain way. I'm not saying that I'm not even saying necessarily that God exists or doesn't exist. I'm just talking about the concept. So um, the whole idea of this book, as I said, is to reduce suffering in people and increase their ability to live their life and enjoy their life more. So really it's a reference book. People have called it, most people have read it, have uh, written, there's a whole bunch of reviews on Amazon and on different uh, websites, uh, book websites out there. There's a whole bunch of reviews about it. And people have called it a reference book to living life. That's the way, that was my intention of uh, writing the essays over the last half a dozen years and then compiling them and putting them in this book form. I also have at the beginning a, 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 a short chapter on my favorite Marcus Aurelius meditation. So Marcus Aurelius was a Roman emperor in the second century, so 1800 years ago. And um, the reason I named it Marcus Aurelius Updated is because I resonated with his approach towards thinking about life. And he was a philosopher first and he was a Roman emperor second, uh, in his mind anyway. Uh, and so he thought about life in a very pragmatic, practical way of how to how he could live his own life uh, in a in a better way, and to be happier, and to be more productive, and to 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 fit into his community. He called it used the word community. We would say our our social structure, our family, and our uh, you know the country we live in and the world we live in. But he used the words community a lot in his what what they later referred to as his meditations. I think the first person to pull together his ideas, he never thought that he would put them together in a book form, but uh, somebody else did that, you know, uh, a few hundred years ago. But in around 800 AD, I think was the first time people found these pieces of parchment lying around and uh, uh, where, where he had scribbled uh, all these different notes and so forth that he that they were collected over about 10 or 12 years uh, before he died. Wow. So that's, that's my second book, uh, really a guidebook to people can reference back to and look at these 67 essays and, oh, which topic jumps out with the, at them. I suggest that people read it by looking at the table of contents and then reading that as the essay that jumps out at them. Wow. Yeah. Deep. So uh, let me ask you one thing, because I guess we're going, um, coming to the end, Kelvin. How, yeah. how, do, how do people... Um, reach you. I know you have a website for your organization. I guess the books are on Amazon. Um, can you just uh, shout it out to, to the folks some ways if they sure. could, you know, to follow up? Yeah. If people want to reach me, probably the easiest thing to do is just Google my name, Kelvin Chin, K-E-L-V-I-N-C-H-I-N. They Google my name. I'm the first two or three pages of on Google that'll pop up. So um, I have four different websites. The, probably the easiest one, again, to get to is just my name, kelvinchin.org. So it's .org, .org, because it's nonprofit. I do all my work through my nonprofits now. Uh, kelvinchin.org. And that will connect you to my other three websites. So I have four altogether. You can go to the bottom of any page of any website, and you'll see hot links to the other three websites, so you don't have to remember what they're called. So that'll take you to my meditation website, my Fear of Death website, which also uh, covers my grief work. I help people with grieving, uh, the loss of, of anything, uh, often loved ones, but could be loss of jobs. It could be a loss of a lot of things, uh, loss of money, etc. cetera. Um, 
And uh, it'll also take you to my book website. You can read about my other two books, two or three books uh, I have in the works now. I have a book that's going to cover all of my past lives and so forth and how it's developed since that first story I told you about that my aunt told me about when I was a year, two years old, oh, wow. talking with beings on the other side uh, to present. That that will be that book. And then I have another book, which is going to be the sequel to my first book on overcoming the fear of death. Um, and another thing that they should know about is my YouTube channel. So there's, I have a YouTube channel with a hundred or 200. Obviously, they're all free videos that people can check out. And they can just go to YouTube and just Google my name in the search window and they'll find my YouTube channel. Definitely. And I, uh, I definitely you, follow you know, the channel too. <laughs> cool. Awesome. You know, the other thing I want to mention is I give a free session to anybody in the world about any of the topics that we, we that I, that I talk about, that we talked about today or that, you know, you'll see on my website, a free session. It's on zoom or on the phone. If you're on the, in the U S we can just do it on the phone. Uh, if you're international, then on zoom. So there's no phone call for you. But I do a free session with people about any of the topics that we covered. And um, that's all part of my nonprofit work. I never turn anybody away for any of my work for financial reasons. Dope, dope. That's what's up. I very mean, nice, very nice. Definitely, uh, I know, um, you know, our audience and, you know, the way I'm positioning um, this podcast is for, you know, groups that haven't had access to this information so mm -hmm. I know that haven't really, you know, been privy to like past lives and all this, all the conversations we have, um, because, sure. you know, this is what, you know, I'm trying, you know, trying to uh, open up people's eyes to what reality is, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and, you know, because reality is one of those things that, you know, we don't really understand. We think we know reality, but we, I don't think we really know, you know what I mean? Just my own right. personal experience of, you know, where, where I've come to a conclusion. Yeah, no, it's good work that you guys are doing. Good work. So, uh, but um, Kevin, appreciate you so much, man, and um, thank you so much, and uh, we'll follow up. Thank, thanks so much. Thank you again. Thank you. Th thanks for having me, both of you. And uh, yeah, we'll talk again soon. You guys take care. Later. Okay? You as well. And that's it, man. It's a wrap. Uh, another showdown, and uh, we'll see y'all next show. Peace. Take care.